0: Day three, VMware Explore Barcelona, and man, obviously the big word of the week, John, has been
1: AI. Uh, yes, I need to go buy some more GPUs, apparently.
0: <laughs> oh, do you have some now? Or you, just uh, you know,
1: I, I got one during COVID, and I'm not going to discuss where I had to meet and what I had to trade for it, but... <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, if you're at
0: VMware Explorer, or even if you're streaming on at home, I'm sure you've seen this gentleman uh, speaking about AI at the general session, speaking in many customer meetings and all over the place, and he gave us a couple of minutes. Chris Wolf, thanks for joining us on the Virtually Speaking Yeah, podcast. thanks for the time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, I mean, let's just start from the very top. What what is VMware's announcement at Explore for for AI?
2: Yeah, I think that the the core for us is, uh, there's a lot of place where this is a community-based solution. Customers need a lot of choice. And when VMware was looking at our own AI strategy, core for us was first the ability to run models where we wanted to keep our data, not have to give up our data to take advantage of AI. And then second, it was really obvious to us that you had to have choice, you couldn't, we weren't ready to just pick like one solution or one partner. And then we thought, you know what, our customers were pretty sure that this is what they want as well. So the VMware approach is really to focus on private AI infrastructure that can allow a customer or partner to run whatever AI service they want above it, maintain privacy and control of their data, And then also you get a lot of benefits of virtualization as well. So such as the ability to share GPUs, uh, to use DRS to more intelligently schedule your compute capacity so that you don't have a lot of waste. Right? Having central management for AI and non AI workloads. These are things that really matter to customers. And then they look at the VMware ecosystem and they find that pretty impressive. And they're like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to partner with VMware here. They really like our neutrality. And the last thing I would add with that is the ISVs do too. Because if I'm an ISV and I'm running on a hyperscaler today, in many cases, the hyperscalers are direct competitors, Yeah, right? They're learning my business, and at the same time they're competing against us. And now if I'm an AI ISV, I don't want to even get into the on-prem business. That's hard, right? So they're like, we can partner with VMware there. So it's a really good place where their account teams can bring in VMware to do anything on-prem, and and they know that we're not going to compete with them. So it, it works out really well. So I think that's also really adds to the VMware opportunity here.
0: Yeah, that is a win-win. So um, you said that we started doing it internally first, So I, and I know that you were work focusing on that. So like, what were some of the use cases internally that we were looking at for AI? Yeah,
2: we've done some uh, search, so internal document search, so internal KB with retrieval augmented generation. Uh, that, that allows you to have full awareness of anything in VMware documentation using the model and our RAG search engine. So new documentation, KBs, finding answers to how to work with VMware products. Uh, that's been a use case. Um, uh, code development has been a use case as well. And we've had this conversation with a lot of customers, and they're in the same boat where they looked at uh, public cloud services for AI code development, but they didn't want to move their code repos into a public cloud. That yeah, was just course. a right That was just a, a line they weren't willing to cross. So this is where we started running the Hugging Face Star Coder model internally, and we saw some really good results. I mean, it's really exceptional results in terms of the satisfaction from the people that have participated in the study.
0: Yeah, Star Coder blows my mind to just think that you you could just actually generate code with using AI. That's that's like future.
2: (laughs) No, exactly. It's like versus like, okay, I have a problem. I'm gonna go spend some time on Stack Overflow, right? I'm gonna get there. AI is just automating all that. It's just making it all so much faster for you. And that's what we like. We've seen the satisfaction rate in terms of people who have tried the tool that want to keep using it. It's more than 90 percent. So it's and we can't get 90 percent of developers to agree on anything. Right. (laughs) Fair point. So it's like that's really, really it was a nice surprise for us. And I'd say the other one, too, is people assume you need hundreds or thousands of GPUs to run AI. Right we tuned the uh, hugging face StarCoder model against some of our own data in less than half
0: a day on two nvidia a100s two yeah that was all it took wow 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 and, and vcf now supports 16 so two and you're doing the entire that's that's yeah impressive.
2: yeah and even for inferencing so and that's where people spend all the time focus on training right but your day-to-day workload is inferencing it's usually it's applying the ai model right to solve a problem and Uh, In our case, again, if I go back to code development, we were seeing scales of up to 400 software engineers on one A100. Mm. So again, it's going to cost less than you think. It's going to use less energy than you think, right? And it's going to give you a lot of value. So what we're trying to do now is get the word out so people understand that these are attainable use cases for them that can come in on a low cost, and it's not going to take a very large carbon footprint either.
1: That's that's nice to hear about the the scale and the specific unit costs because this has been something that's been kind of... Um, just very non-transparent. I mean, I think I I did see that you could, like, train your own GPT model with a custom data set starting at two or three million, and that doesn't sound like someone who's trying to justify an internal POC necessarily where they want to go, but this sounds just, you know, two two or three of these, this sounds, and we're a a large company, I assume some companies could get some smaller unit costs. This sounds like a great kind of entry point.
2: Yeah, and I mean, to give you a a, a really, another interesting uh, use case, so we had a team that built a chatbot Uh, using a large language model with retrieval augmented generation uh, for financial services so I can answer answer financial services questions and um, the whole process start to finish was less than two weeks Wow! and here's the I think here's the more amazing part Uh, we were running all the inferencing on CPUs
1: okay so so these are things yeah I don't have to go to great links or
2: seven billion parameter Lama 2 model uh, Intel
0: fourth-generation CPUs no problem yeah that I thought GPU was a requirement, apparently not. Well, and I no. thought it was
1: GPU at the scale of, well, clearly I need liquid cooling and exotic things in my data center, <laughs> but no, this is...
2: Yeah, if you want to build your own language model from scratch and you know go through all that process, sure, you're, it's going to cost you a ton, but the open source space is moving so fast, you, you just don't have to do those things.
1: Yeah. Well, and I assume there'll be commercial models against specific verticals also showing up to help it, with that. So. Yeah.
2: 100%, that's really what we're banking on, is there's going to be all of these domain-specific models that are going to be applied to different industry verticals, different line of business use cases. They're going to be much smaller. They're easier to tune against my business data. Um, They're, you know, the the overhead in terms of compute and memory to run them is fairly low. And then when you start thinking about, I can unlock CPU for some of these use cases, a lot of our customers, they already have spare CPU capacity in their clusters, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, you're just, Turning that loose, you don't got to go and that's, you know use these other start. resources. I, exactly. I was
1: I was initially skeptical when I heard about sharing the compute in my existing environment because you always hear about kind of the noisy neighbor problem and like okay we'll use DRS but like. It just, I assume this was this overwhelming saturation for, you know, weeks or months of an environment. I'm like, I don't want that anywhere near my, my ERP or anything else, but this sounds much more approachable.
2: Yeah, yeah, and we have like a, a top uh, complaint, if you want to call it that, that customers have today that have been early adopters of AI, is they say they have these GPUs, and especially if it's like a bare metal solution, they're provisioning them, the data scientist might consume X amount of GPUs for a week, and like like the ops people know they don't need all of those GPUs but there's no way to prove it Right, so if you can start to put a virtualization in front, I can say, well, actually, you, you just need a core. You don't even need one yeah, GPU, yeah. right? Then then you can start to fractionalize the GPU, and then there's a whole bunch of business value. When, you go, when you go
1: bare metal with this stuff, I think people are still thinking in HPC land, and like, I'm going to schedule to where the entire supercomputer is mine for this you know week or number of hours versus a much more time slice model, it sounds like here. Well, I think
2: you'll like this, now that you brought up bare metal. So, um, you know, first, the virtualizing GPUs is huge, but second, in terms of being able to cycle through AI clusters, we can't be beat. Nobody can, public cloud can't beat us, bare metal can't beat us. We can stand up an AI cluster with the model preloaded into memory in three seconds. Wow. wow. It takes five to seven minutes on bare metal. Yeah. So, you got Food load. Yeah, we use instant clone. It was great for. VDI. Oh, because instant clone can pull the instant memory. Instant clone. You for- yeah. VM fork. Oh, wow.
1: As fate would
2: have it, the inventor of instant clone, Daniel Beveridge, is also a member of AI Labs. Oh, there you go. And uh, he's like, "Hey, this is we can use this for this too," and we're the like, "Oh yeah, we sure can." Brilliant. So yeah, fork- brilliant. forking
1: memory for wow. I I thought that that was forever just going to be like a weird VDI thing. Yeah. So. Yeah,
0: nope. It's, uh, it's got new life again. There it is. Yeah, it's well, a totally different use case for yeah. this. That's fantastic. So in Vegas, we talked about uh, you know uh, VMware Private AI Foundation with NVIDIA, uh, uh, but then at the general session, I heard a couple of other vendor names come up. Some some partnerships now, and and what are these new partners bringing to the game?
2: Yeah, it's it's really exciting. So, uh, and I'd say the, the the one thing too that's important about our strategy is we're not out to collect logos. And you see that a lot, right? Where like, hey, look at all of our logos. If we're doing something with a partner, it's very specific, it's very directed. There's resources on both sides that are committed to it. So like to to go through some of the announcements, we announced with Intel, uh, our collaboration around private AI, that includes the Intel software stack as well as our hardware. So that's the fourth generation Xeon, that's their Mac series GPUs as well on the software stack i think a couple of interesting things we had one api support so what intel's been working on is an open source way to manage hardware accelerators and connect applications to accelerators because the, the only other alternatives today are proprietary and uh, what intel did that i give them a lot of credit for is they donated that to the linux foundation and that formed a, the uxl uh, so unified accelerator project uh, under um, you know in the linux foundation VMware this week has joined that as a steering member as well.
0: Ooh, okay.
2: So we're, you know, we're always about interop, right? That's our, that's in our DNA, and uh, we see this as an important project. We definitely want to have a, a, voice there too, and, and make meaningful contr- contributions to it. So that's, that's Intel. So software and hardware working together, and some really slick demos in terms of what you can do with AI on CPUs that I think will be pretty eye-opening for people, and also, not finished yet. So I think what's also cool is, like, I've really been pushing the teams building the demos that don't just make it a video, right? Like, share. So what we're we're planning to do is any models that we've made or or customized for these demos, any of the code we've used, we're making sure all of that's available so that our customers can repeat exactly
0: what we did in their own labs. GitHub, just throwing it up there? Nice, nice. I like that. I like that. So that's, that's, that's Intel. Thank you, Pat Gelsinger. What about, uh, what about IBM?
2: Uh, yeah, IBM, so uh, we've already seen a lot of customers using their Watson X SaaS service for, for AI today. And it's IBM has their own AI services, they also conserve open source services from that and open source models. So it's a, uh, you know, it's it's already a fairly robust service with a good cust- solid customer base. But just like us, they've seen the use cases where customers want the AI on premises. So they've worked with VMware and that what they're doing is, is they're, uh, they're we're, we've done the work to enable OpenShift, I'm sorry, Watson X to run on OpenShift on vSphere. And oh, here wow. is, this was really key. So, um, you know, for, for IBM's sake, like their cloud deployment, that's how it, that's how it runs. It is, yeah. the services run on OpenShift. And they're like, oh wait, you guys already support OpenShift. And yeah. as far as we can tell, there's more OpenShift runs on vSphere than any other platform today, including bare metal. So it was like, it was like no effort uh, to do this integration and that's been really important I think for us and how we approach the AI stack was to say, for the Kubernetes layer, we're specifying Kubernetes. If the customer wants to use Tanzu, awesome, right? We have a great product. If they want to use OpenShift or they want to use Rancher, that's okay too. We're going to make sure that that's also fully supported. Wow. open ecosystem.
0: Yeah. So we were talking to Kid Colbert, and he and uh, he was saying how you know previously your your focus was many things, uh, focusing on all future things, trying to figure stuff out. But recently you've had sort of a title change. Essentially, I don't know the exact title, but you basically are focusing focusing specifically on AI with an entire team. Is that is that some insinuation into sort of the heavy focus that VMware is putting on AI?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I was covering all of the research and innovation work across a variety of areas, and there's some great things that we were able to accomplish in partnership with our business units. So the Velo uh, uh, Edge Cloud Orchestrator is a a great example of uh, a good effort with the Edge team where we now have this single node Edge appliance that's fully programmatic, massive scale. Uh, That was uh, work that had started in my organization that we're very proud of, Um, but then uh, and, and if we go back with AI, the team's been working in AI for more than the past five years. We've wow. done a lot of work there. We have a lot of, we had already a base of knowledge. Starting um, about a year ago, maybe a little over a year ago, I started sending some emails upstream to other VMware leaders around thoughts on what the AI strategy should be. And you know, as, as that evolved, come the start of the year, Raghu was like, okay, you know, this is the focus. Um, let's pivot the team, and this was, you know, good support from Kit to pivot the team 100% um, to AI. And it was a pretty easy sell, right? It's like, which side do you want to be on, right? The the AI side or the side getting cannibalized by it, right? Yeah. So uh, it worked out well, and, and it's like, we all have to make these pivots in our careers, right? So on a, on a human level, like my, my biggest pivot was probably pure luck. I was a certified Novell engineer, ah. I got I was a CNA. All right, there you go. So, I did a Novell migration uh, eight years ago. Eight years ago, that's impressive. It was a bit late, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so when I went to Commvault, I had they had one of the interview questions they'd asked me. This is this is now hell, 24 years ago, I guess. Uh, they had asked me, "Have you ever played with the Windows 2000 beta?" And I said, "Yeah." And they said, "You're going to be our Windows guy." And I'm like, "Crap!" I'm like, "My career is ruined. Like, what, why did I even go here?" You know. But I was really lucky. But that that moment taught me that you have to see these technology shifts and you got to get in front of them. And, um, you know, our organization by and large, they were like, wow, this is great. It's a good opportunity. It's good for us. And we got some really, really rock solid engineers uh, that have done some great work. So, yeah, yeah, it's been exciting.
0: Yeah, you are definitely in the exciting space, man. I I cannot wait to see what VMware does in this space and everybody for that matter. It's an exciting time to be around. And uh, I want to thank you, Chris, for joining us on the uh, Virtually Speaking podcast. Yeah, appreciate the time. It's been great. Thanks. All right.